Thank you all for the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. Take your Bibles. We're going to be in Romans 12. You know, I've been just picking stuff out that has stuck out to me, and it seems like for the past few weeks it's been in Romans. But there's obviously a lot of good stuff in the whole Bible. There's a lot of good stuff in Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Uh, next week, I think we're looking at Psalms 19:14. Again, these are all things that have stuck out to me. And Psalms 19:14 is a verse I've had to learn personally for myself. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to, in your sight, O Lord, my Rock and Redeemer. It's not about you, but whether I usually can keep myself together, it's just in my inner attitude that maybe my words may not be as acceptable to God, or my attitude, even if I don't say the words. So we're going to look at that next week, but. Today we're looking at the mark, I can tell this sermon, the marks of the cross, of Christ, not the marks of the cross, and your, your points will spell out the word marks, M-A-R-K-S, and I mentioned before, I won't get into detail on what I, the story I mentioned on Wednesday night because it's a little graphic, not last Wednesday night, but a couple of ones ago, but that's what's happening when you don't come Wednesday night, you don't get the, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. We're going to be starting a new book on Wednesday nights. Um, I had you all... Uh, there's a series of books called Church Questions, and they're just basic things that we want to know that sometimes we assume that we all know or we forgot. And so I had you guys rate the top ones that you wanted. The first one was, how can I get more out of my Bible reading? We just finished that last Wednesday night. The one we're going to be starting this Wednesday night is, how can I uh, do better in my evangelism? And again, you don't have to stay these books. They're really thin. You can buy them or not you know, electronically. But we go over those on Wednesday nights, and it's things that you want to know that you can do better. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. And like I said, in October, we'll be starting Sunday School back, and we'll be starting Wednesday nights back, and then we'll be looking at a, a fellowship meal at the end of the last Wednesday night in October, and we're going to do a, a hot dog roast out here. So anyway, we're just easing back into it. So those things will be out there for, for you to see on the website to know and to invite other people. But, we're continuing, I mentioned when I was in youth ministry, we did a thing called Scarry Stories, and uh, we would explain how we got scars, and I mentioned before, when I was a kid, I fell face first into a stump and got circular scars, that's why I have a beard, not because of that, but I have a scar here, but then I got chicken pox right after that, so I got circles and dots in the middle of the circle, so it was kind of interesting, and then, and depending on who you ask, I may or, my dad tried to to teach me to be right-handed because a left-handed person is of the devil, and my dad loves me, but I remember some of you have grown up, if you're left-handed, therefore you smack that hand and you use the right. And so I'm still left-handed, but I'm Amy stupid, where there's some things I do right-handed, and so anyway, I've got probably 21 stitches from two different times of using a knife. One of them was opening a Christmas gift, and so anyway, we won't get into that. But I've got that scar there. It kind of for, forms the shape of an L, which doesn't mean loser to me, but, but there you are. Hey, that wasn't that funny. Okay, but we all have scars. We all have marks. Some of us have birthmarks that, you know, you can tell you're that person's child because you have the same thing or, you know... Uh, on my iPad, I've got a picture of my grandson before I talk to you. It's on my you know, wall. And you know, we'll see what happens with his teeth, but he's got that gap, you know, like his grandfather. We'll see what happens if they get uh, the club that you fill that in or whatever, or they use it as character. But we all have marks. We all have marks that identify us with the family. We all have marks that identify us with life physically and emotionally. But 
how can you tell someone's a Christian? You know, in the next few weeks, we're going to have a couple baptisms, and that is one of the ways that we tell someone has made a decision for Christ, because that's a spiritual. But so many times we've taken baptism and say that's how you're saved. Not at all. What do we do with the thief on the cross? He went to heaven. He wasn't baptized. Guess what? He was still saved. But if you're able to, you should get baptized to show a physical picture of what's happened inside. But how do you tell that someone is a follower of Christ? Well, let's, you know, I'm not ashamed of the word Christian, but I want to help you with your terminology. I think in our society now, when you call yourself a Christian, big deal. But when you follow someone, that's different. So a follower of Christ goes the way that person goes. And, you know, how do we know? How do we know someone is a Christian, a follower of Christ? Because there's a lot of people that have good beliefs, but their actions don't back that up. And believing is part of it. We're saved by grace, we know that, but fruit shows whose we are. And so asking that question, how do we know we're a follower of Christ? How do we know what a follower of Christ looks like? What, are the, what marks of Christ do you bear today? If you don't know Christ, you don't bear any marks. But I believe the majority of you know Christ. And so the question I'm asking is, what marks of Christ do you bear today? And we're going to look at that. And we struggle to know, we struggle to follow, and we choose to either bear the marks of sin, depending on what day it is and how much coffee I have or have not had, or sleep I had or had not had. There's some days I bear the mark of my sin nature more than I bear the mark of my Savior. We make a choice. Am I going to look like Christ, act like Christ, or am I going to stay in my sinful self? So your action step today is bear the marks of Christ. And we're going to look at that. And so we, we go to Romans 12, verses 9 and 10, two verses here. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. First of all, the love that it's talking about, there's three kinds of love, philo, eros, and agape. In the Greek, eros has to do with sexual love. Philos has to do with brotherly love. And agape has to do with sacrificial love. And so that's the love we're talking about here, the love of Christ that he laid down his life for all of us. He gave sacrificially. You know, I, I went to a funeral. Yes, I, I do those things sometimes. But, you know, this week, the second time I've had liquor in my life, and they're both times we're at an Anglican church, so that should tell you something. But anyway, anyway took communion. Okay, get, get over it. All right, we weren't doing the cup thing. It was just the dip. But anyway, um, this was a fellow chaplain. I'm a police chaplain, and it was here in Springfield. And he had contracted a cancer that only 36 men, I believe just men, get in the U.S. per year. Very rare. And it hits them from age 50 to 60. And he got it from working the site in Pennsylvania where the plane went down on 9-11. And he died a day before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You know, we sit there and, 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 we, and we talk about love being genuine and about that we need to, that being sacrificial. I look at his life and he's, he's not perfect, but as they went through his life, he was giving his life and his wife went on his deathbed. I mean, I don't know that I would have been there 
like that. But his wife on his deathbed after he died was praying for those that bombed and did these things that they would come to Christ. He gave us, he didn't know 20 years ago that this was going to happen and it hits them later. But he went in and gave of his life sacrificially and he paid for it. That's the type of love we're talking about. That's a mark of the cross. That's a mark of being a Christian that you go in. And you, he didn't know he was sacrificing his life at the time, but he paid for it later. And none of that's bad. But that is a mark of a Christian. That we reflect Christ who gave his life. Willingly. So we love sacrificially. We love and let your love be genuine. That means real. Don't just say it, do it. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now again, we're not talking about perfection. We're not, we're going to mess up, and when you mess up, own it and seek forgiveness. And guess what? Go on. Go go on with your life. But it's that consistency of being real. One of the verses that drives me is, is John 3.21. Let those who do what is right come gladly to the light so everyone can see what they're doing is what God wants them to do. Don't just say it. Do it. And if you can't do it, don't say it. Really love honestly and truly and unselfishly and no hypocrisy and no double dealing. Your first feeling, bearing the marks of Christ means we are marked by real love. Again, I am saved by grace, not by works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that clearly. But your actions need to go with your words. And a mark... You know, people are going to find all sorts of excuses to blame Christians for there gets a point they're going to answer for themselves because every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they can't use the pastor, the deacon, the church member as an excuse. But you know what? Let's not hand them ammo. Christian, you need to be consistent. If you mess up, guess what you do? You go to that believer or that unbeliever and say, I messed up. I was wrong. Forgive me. What they do with it from there is their problem. But that is the issue is we're not being real. When I talk about our church, I may be using the wrong term, and I'm talking to people that may or may not come. I say we're meat and potatoes. All of us, some of us grew up in the good old times where you had the full meal every night, you know, and usually you had meat and potatoes, okay? You vegans and kale, have fun with that. But we like our potatoes. If I was on a desert island, which I wouldn't be able to, and my survival list would be a Bible, duct tape, and definitely a potato, because you can do a lot with a potato, okay? But when, we, when I describe our church as meat and potatoes, is that is substance, and that is real, and that's nothing fancy. And so we need to be real, and we need to walk in love, and so we need to be barked by real love. Look at, the, at 1 John 3.18 says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3.18 because the world is watching. And what's interesting, the scripture says, uh, Paul says that even the lost speak well of you. They may not like what you say. They may not like what you do. I've been dealing with some people that have been trying to be a part of their life consistently. And, it's, and they kind of hit back. But I hope they remember, look, he's not perfect, but he's been there the whole time. And he's been truthful the whole time. And his hand's still out there, even though you're smacking it in love. 
We need to be real. We need to really love. So how do we how we really love is defined by the things we hate. Go to verse nine. uh, We're still in verse nine, but really these two verses really pack a punch. They've got a lot in them. So we need to let love be genuine. We need to abhor what is evil. All right? That word abhor means dislike and be horrified by, to hate with an intense feeling. When is the last time you have been abhorred? I'm going to say that right, not say the other, right? Okay. (laughs) Uh, When you've had a, a huge dislike for something, that it gave you a righteous anger. I feel like in our society today that, that we're allowing more and more evil. Not against TV, not against electronics, but you need to filter what you're watching and what you're letting in and for your children, yourselves, everyone. Because going back to Columbine, the school shooting, it's not about the fact that the video games are bad, but it's the fact that if you desensitize whatever it is, the crime shows, or what I like some of those too. But when we're seeing evil things being portrayed, we get desensitized to death, to bodies, to all these things, to things that are evil. Uh, When we go to the supernatural, and the theology of the supernatural is so wrong on anything in the media. You go to the Bible. The devil devil would want you to believe he can do less, or the devil would want you to believe that he can do more. Don't mess with the devil. But we've been desensitized to evil. And we need to kind of pull things up and and when he's talking about we need to hate it we need to hate things that are evil uh let's go this is not political let's talk about abortion for a minute that is evil and we will pay for that as a country if we do not stand for life at any stage and the biggest thing that bothers me a lot of times about Christians, they get all iffy about it. Well, God's not iffy about it. God is about life. He says clearly that we were formed, He knew us when we were formed in the womb. And it is evil that we, I'm not talking, if you want to go on a Republican or Democrat, you're full of it. This is a biblical issue that it is evil when we stand for children or people older or anyone when we do not stand for life. Those that cannot speak for themselves. And we have given into it, and then we only get upset when, oh, partial birth abortion, that's horrible. Yeah, pastor said it because it's time to splash the cold water on our face. And we as a nation have allowed the death of unborn children. And that's not me picking on an issue, but that, holy, why am I abhorring that? Because it's our watch. We can stop this. It is not about a party. It is about God's word, and we have not abhorred that evil. That is one example. And I'm not picking a platform. That is a perfect example, and shame on us. Honor. We need to abhor what is wicked. The follower of Christ stands against all evil, what is wicked. That can be hunger and poverty, hurt and pain, drugs and drunkenness, cursing and bitterness, disease and suffering, selfishness and greed, corruption and death. I mentioned one that is very serious, and our country will pay for that. But look at the other list. Oh, I ignored that I was evil on what I said and how I said it. Or that I ignored someone in need. The follower of Christ shows real love by hating and fighting evil. You know, you've got lost people that they're fighting issues without Christ that you can come along with them. I do not agree with most of the way we handle the environment because we're to be conservations, we're to be stewards, we are not to worship the environment. 
But there, we can be conservationists where we conserve what we have and we can come alongside people that are picking up trash. You see what I'm saying? But we can point to Jesus when we do that. The followers of Christ show real love by hating and fighting evil. Your, your next film, we bear the marks of Christ when we abhor evil. If you stutter or have a speech impediment, be careful how you say that. And I'm not trying to put anybody down because I can say it wrong. But we hate evil. There's a $5 word for you there. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says this, Abstain from every form of evil. Evil is not your definition. It is God's. And whatever he says in the word, guess what? That's evil. And we have dumbed that down and we've jumped over scripture. We need to get back to it. But how do we do this? A follower of Christ does this by holding fast. Look at the last part of verse 9. Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast. Join. Fasten together. Attack. To cement or, or, or glue together. We got some good things. We got some good glues now. You know? And usually when you glue something, you want it to stay. And so, so many times, oh, this is getting hard. We need to hold fast to, to what is good. What is good? That which benefits others. Defined by God's word. The follower of Christ bears the marks of Christ, showing that he really loves God and man when he holds full to what is good, the things of God. So your next fill-in, and then we have a scripture with that. We bear the marks of Christ when we really hold to the good. Really hold to it. Okay, how do we know that? Keep telling you, you need to... You need to drill down on, on Philippians 4 uh, through 9. Philippians 4, 4 through verse 9. This is the practicality of the Christian life. And verse 8 talks about this. And I encourage you to go back to verse 8 this week and look up all the different words and pray those different words. And boy, it'll smack you right between the face. But he says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, what is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Go back this week and Philippians 4.8 and whatever you use, look up what those words mean and then you make your list on something in your life that is honorable. The chaplain that died was honorable what he did. I can think on that instead of evil things. Uh, make a list personally for you what is true, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. Make your list. And next time when you're, when you're tempted to uh, not hold on to the good, think of those things. Think on those things. Hold on to what is good. So how is this played out? What motivates us? How can we bear this? So we know what to do. We're to hate evil and we're to hold on to what is good and we're to, be, we're to love genuinely. Look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Again, that definition for love is agape, which is sacrificial. All right? But then we go to each other. Everyone, especially Christ, the brothers and sisters, and, and the family of God. Let's, let's get honest. It's great for God to love us, and it's easy for us to love God, but people are messy, and we're messy. And they don't do what we want, and they don't do it when we want it and how we want it. 
And so that's why we all like the post on I could live in a cabin for 10 years by myself. Out in the middle of nowhere. But we're called to love each other with brotherly affection. You know, my brother and I didn't have that affection that much when we were growing up. But he's not only my brother, he's my friend. And we enjoy being together. And he teaches me a lot. But that's not just for physical brothers, because that doesn't happen all the time with physical family. But it's definitely for the family of God. If the family of God is not getting along, whether the immediate or beyond that, we got an issue. And it's a bad witness. And so the family of God, the church, we're adopted by God. As we mentioned last week, we're that child waiting with our adoption papers in hand and waiting for the father to come back. But we are adopted. We are set. And so we have a family of other brothers and sisters that are adopted. And we do this by, uh, by this. A follower of Christ loves by loving those in the family of God, by being kind and by being affectionate. Now, we need to love the lost. We need to love people. The commandments in Mark 12, 30 and 31 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is, is just as important as this, Love your neighbor as yourself. But we, de- we need to love the lost. And in my personal opinion, it's a lot easier for me to love the lost. Not, I'm not loving what they're doing, but at least they're kind of being honest with what they're doing. But sometimes in the family of God, we like doing fake. Or we get on each other's nerves. Or it's one thing to see a lost person once in a while, but the family of God, we get together. And we can rub each other the wrong way, but we've got to work it out because that's what family does, what God's family does. And so a follower of Christ loves by loving uh, those in the family, by being kind, by being affectionate. Your next film, we bear the mark of Christ when we love like real family. Keep loving like family. Love one another. Okay, we're going to unpackage that. Some of you don't have that base. Some of you don't have a physical family. God created the physical family to teach us about our relationship with God. But some of you don't, may have not have had a loving mother or a loving father or the presence of those. But that's where I have always believed, and it's backed up here, that church is family. Church is not this building. Church is not this meeting. Church are believers of God together. And church is biblical. And church is something we would want to be together Look, when, when, when one is hurt, we all hurt. When one rejoices, like today is my birthday, we all rejoice. We, this is what family does. We support each other. This is, how, uh, this is uh, how they can really see Christ, see how others can see Christ. This is how they can know real family. Uh, um, this is real. They can know the family of God by how they look at how we treat each other. It's important. If a church is not getting along, it is, it is not doing the witness of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to have differences, and it doesn't mean people don't leave and go somewhere else and all that kind of stuff, but we've all been there when everybody's talking about the church and what problems they're having. And they love that tidbit of gossip. But we need, the point is real love. And John 13, verses 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When we're not getting along, church, when we're talking about each other, when we have odd against a brother and sister, we're losing our witness. And the lost are saying this, why do I want that? I have troubles at home. Why do I want to add more trouble to that? 
Again, if they're looking for perfection and see nobody, uh, nobody ever fights and all those kind of things, well, that's not real. But what do you do with it? And how do you correct it? And how do you go on? This is our witness. Um, this is our testimony. How we love one another. And so we need to love one another with brotherly love. How do we do this? Look at the last part of verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo. Now, this is a little bit, some of you have, have got to spend time with, and we got that, we got that men's breakfast and bullets coming up Friday. They'll probably let you out of school if you guys want to go or something, get an excuse, okay, you kids. But, um, <laughs> but I'm not saying any of those men will outwardly say, I'm going to outshoot you, but I think they might go home and show somebody their target or not show them their target, depending on how well they did or how they didn't, okay? And, but that's not what it's talking about here, okay? And we all have a tendency that we want to outdo, you know. I, I got to go fishing um, uh, uh, Thursday, you know, I took a, a birthday day or whatever and went fishing. And so, anyway, I, I did pretty good and I showed certain people my catch of fish, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, you kind of have that competition there, but he's not talking about that. That word outdo means go before, lead in, set an example, show the way. Don't follow, set an example. So many times in the church, we're like, I'm going to wait till they do something. Good luck with that. If God lays something on your heart, do it. Don't wait. Now, if it's unbiblical or if it's going to disrupt the body, you might talk to somebody there's been times people have been called to do a certain ministry, and my job in Ephesians 4.12 is to encourage and equip you so it's good to come to the minister or the deacon or whatever that we can say, hey, this is biblical, and this is not where our church is, but maybe God's laid this on your heart to help you with that. But we're talking about loving. Well, if they do this, then I'll do that. Really? Just go for it. Just like baptism, when people see people baptized, they want to get baptized, it doesn't save you, but it's an it's obedient step, that it sets an example and encourages. So what happens, well, you know, what happens if somebody comes into a church and everybody is just outdoing each other in love? That's infectious. That's like, wow. That sets an example from young to old. So don't wait Set the example. Show, show love sacrificially. And how do you do that? You honor, you revere, you respect, you esteem each other. So we show each other, we show each other respect. We show each other honor. Thank you today for the, the, the birthday wishes and all those. But it's not just about the pastor. It's all of us and what we do. Honoring, respecting, esteeming. Um, being a church, taking the lead and esteeming and honoring each other. That's the family of God. It's a picture of real love. It's a picture of Christ in the flesh. It's a picture of real love, real care, real warmth, real tenderness, real strength. I think it's awesome the things I'll never know that you as church members have done for each other in love. Setting the example. The calls, the, the gifts, the, the help. The prayers, go for it. You can't go wrong on those things. So your last film, when we bear the marks of Christ, we set the example, we out-love everybody. <coughs> Not that we're we're going to order some more t-shirts. Our t-shirt order last year was right before COVID, so 
no telling where it is in my house, and, and suddenly I bring you t-shirts and you don't want them anymore. But, you know, uh, we're, this isn't going to be our t-shirt, but it'd be interesting that our saying was, I'm going to out-love you. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to out-love you, you know. Um, and so setting that example, what does that look like? It's the marks of the redeemed. It's the marks of the family of God. So I have a question for you today. What marks, what marks do you bear that show that you follow Christ? If you were on trial today, whether you were a Christian or not, would there be enough marks that we've talked about, real love, hating evil, outdoing each other with brotherly love, would there be enough to convict you? And it doesn't mean the fact that you're not saved, but it may be the fact of, hey God, you know, I've been walking with the world more than I've been walking with you. Forgive me. I, I want it your way. Holy Spirit, help me to love the way you want me to love. We're going to have a time of invitation here in a moment. And, and you can come and be a part of that and pray or whatever. But if you don't know Christ, you can love all you want, but it's not going to work. Come and receive Christ. You may want to show that you're marked with the love of Christ by following baptism. It doesn't save you, but to identify. He says, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you also. Whatever you need to do. How are you bearing the marks of Christ? How are you loving? Are you loving to a point? Because that's where I go sometimes. You hurt me, so forget about you. No. Real love hurts. How, um, how, are, you, how are you looking at evil? Are you holding on to the good? Are you redefining the good? Go back to the word. And how are you loving each other? Love like the family should. What are you waiting for? You need to love first. You need to set the example. You need to come and lay down whatever you're holding on to and bear the marks of the cross. Bear the marks of Christ. As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, Lord, I just ask that you would help look at our lives today. And dear Lord, I pray that you would show us areas where we look more like the world and look more like sin than we look like you. And I pray for, that we seek forgiveness and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk with you as, and to be marked as a follower of Christ. Whatever we need to do today, I ask that you'd help us in that. In your name, Jesus, amen.